episode 53, Hey Love Podcast. Well, I would probably say, let's do this together and really desire that relation, you know, to seek a relationship with that person. Um, Because I feel like in the context of relationship, that's how God works. So showing up maybe is the first step. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging you, the reflective woman, in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces through the grid of God's grace. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey love, do you think much about the legacy that you're leaving behind? What are people going to say about you after you're gone? Well, we're going to talk about that today with my guest. You're going to love this conversation about family, rebellion, building trust when you're discipling someone in the Word. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Carthy Masters. Welcome. Jessica Moreland is going to tell us about a close friendship that she shared with a woman for about two decades. And out of that friendship, a long legacy of biblical literacy was formed. And now hundreds, maybe thousands, I wouldn't be surprised if it was thousands, of families in our community have been affected by their efforts. They kept their Bible clubs going for almost two decades. And I saw firsthand the impact that a group like this can have on an impression young heart. My Davy was new to this country, and days after her gotcha day, we signed her up for a local Bible club, which was by that point, it was growing by leaps and bounds, and other moms were reproducing them. They were cropping up all over town. Our sweet Davy could not speak a word of English, but she came home week after week from Miss Ledbetter's house, having been at Bible club and having memorized a different verse of scripture in English every single week. It was so amazing to me. I loved it. They welcomed her with open arms, and I still feel indebted to this sweet group of moms who helped lay the spiritual roots for my little girl. A few years later, after Bible Club, we got to enjoy the fruits of their team's labor when Davy chose to say yes to Jesus' invitation. After steeping in God's love, you know, and soaking in the words of his love letter consistently over time with others who follow him, It's easy to choose Jesus. He's hard to resist. Jessica Moreland has been involved in all kinds of ministries to children and adults. She's going to tell us about those today. She's been a worship leader most recently for Seeds. She and her husband, Philip, travel and sing all over the country. One of their main aims at Seeds is to have whole families worship together. Have you heard any of their stuff, the Seeds of Worship stuff? It's so good. Any parent who's heard their worship songs would concur that it's every bit as much for adults as it is for kids. I still listen to one of their very first projects from years ago. My favorite song on there is called Remain in Me, which is all about abiding in Jesus through His Spirit, and it's all based on John 15, about the vine and the branches. I am going to link to it in the notes so you don't have to write it down while you're shoveling snow or whatever you're doing. If you got to hear Diane Belbeck's interview, you know that she and her husband, Dan, live in a house full of kids and grandkids. What a way to live, right? It sounds so fun. Well, Jessica and Philip are the ones who've lived there with them in the same house for the last 11 years. 
That's where we've gone for Thanksgiving every year for, I don't know, maybe nine years, ten. I've lost count. We've missed a couple of times, but for the most part, we've been there every single year at their long table, which is just one of our favorite places to be, really. We've always called it the Belbeck Moreland Compound. Diane's interview is back on episode six. Go grab that if you like. We'll wait right here. But by no means do you need to listen to these in any kind of order. You can listen to Diane's after you hear Jess's interview today if you like. There's no rules about that. At the time of this interview, Jessica's family was in the process of preparing for a big move out of the family compound all the way across the country to Idaho. And when she first told me, I was like, is there anything good that comes out of Idaho? Potatoes. Just kidding, Idaho. You're producing so many good things like Seeds Worship. We love seeds around here. During a serious moment in the middle of our recording, I I mean, it wasn't really serious. It was just about to be sad. But one of our pastors walked in by mistake, and you're going to hear him. And you're going to hear in the outtakes how that broke the mood real quick. From there on, it was all laughs with Jessica. Here she is, Jessica Moreland. Did you get to hear your mom's um, interview, first of all? I have not. I'm, I've kind of saved them Love for my 30-hour trek. <laughs> 30 hours. Yes. For real. Mm-hmm. Or more. I have it all earmarked. You're going to crack up. Just be ready. Okay. Your mom is one of the funniest people I've ever met. And yes. she comes out in rare form in this interview. <laughs> You'll love it. Jess, can you tell me one woman who's helped shape your character? That would be Barb Taylor. Mm, so cool. Love her. Yes. And there's so many women, um, but I would say um, just over the span of my adult life and my married life and my mothering life, it would be Barb. And then so, the Lord has allowed us to now, you know, she wa- she's she walks several steps ahead of me just because she has, she has some older children. And, um, and so I would say initially it started as a mentorship, mm-hmm. and, um, and she does that beautifully oh yeah um and then think of all the the different ministries you guys have done together there was bible club right have you still been doing how how long did that go um i don't know how long she did bible club before i started um i was just looking at pictures last night actually and pulling out um Mm. and looking um but maddie was four when we started when i started bible club with her i believe so it was 14 to 16 years. Mm -hmm. Unreal. So we did that for several years, and then in that kind of overlapped, um, we started doing Kingdom Kids Choir Fellowship, and we did that for a long time. Yeah. And did, you know, musicals and led worship, um, and then did did just whatever they would allow us to do. E-camp. And then we did four years of E-camp. Wow. Which were phenomenal years, and you partnered with us in that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then when E-Camp was over, um, then she and I partnered together with our girls, our 242 girls. Mm-hmm. And we did that in for group. six years. And so you walked them through that group from seventh grade all the way through high school. Correct. Well, you are leaving such a legacy. Awesome. Well, the Lord just allowed us to be together in ministry all these years. I, he just continued to weave our stories together. It was totally Him. Love it. And... We work so well together. We're very different people. We live, 
our I would say that the the biblical framework that we live through is very is is the same, but personality wise, we're just very different. It's so true. Yeah, you complement each other really well. It it is it's kind of like a marriage, oh, honestly, in that so regard, funny. because. Um, just because we are very different, but I can look at her when we're in the middle of a ministry moment, and I can, we just feed off each other, and I, I know when she's being creative, and she'll say, oh, I have, wait, I have this really crazy idea, <laughs> and it always comes to her the last minute, and those ideas are always fantastic, and oh. totally a download from the Lord, Wow! and he always makes a way for that, um, so and great. It, it's just neat, she knows me so, so well, and I know her so well, and Love it. Um, and then, of course, our girls are best friends. Yeah. And I was that was some of the pictures I was looking at last night. I have a picture of Millie and Maddie, and they're in high chairs. At, at like, they're wow. maybe one. Oh. And um, they, I think it's Millie's first birthday, and there's balloons behind her high chair. And I'm thinking, these, you know, and we dress them alike several different <laughs> times. My mother made them dresses. And then, oh, you know, wow. then they, all the way through this 242 group, um, just this sweet sisterhood mm. that th- the legacy continues through our girls, which is so oh, amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, Jess, when did Jesus first captivate your heart, your conversion story? Yes. I was with my grandmother, and um, we were attending a little tiny Baptist Church, it would seem tiny to me at that point, I guess, um, in Edmond, Oklahoma. And there was a revival, and my grandmother was taking me to this revival. And like an old tent revival? It was kind of like that, but we weren't in a tent. Oh. It was in the church. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents didn't want to go. I remember that, and my I wanted to. My grandmother was always mm. at the church anytime the doors were open. And so she took me. And I remember the guy's name. His name was Rodney Stone. And hmm. he, he wore kind of like a white Elvis jumpsuit. No, he didn't. <laughs> I remember. And, you know, it was just that. It was wow. in the 70s. And oh. I just remember him presenting the gospel. And I think it was maybe on the second or third night. And wow. my heart was tugging at me at the very end. You know, in a ba- at the Baptist church, they always stand at the front. And you sing, I surrender all. And they say, is there anybody else? Come on down. The price is right. <laughs> and... Um, my Sunday school teacher, um, whose name is Sylvia Chapman, and at this point um, came down to the front. And I mm. thought, oh, if she is needing Ooh. Jesus, then I need—I definitely need Jesus. Oh, and she wow. was this beautiful, put-together woman. And I just saw her turn around and look at me. And Whoa. I went down the aisle and you know, got on my knees and prayed with her and accepted Christ. Wow. And then I filled out my card and whatever that you that do in a Baptist so church. Sweet. <laughs> and I was so excited to go home, go home and tell my mom and dad. And I remember asking my mom and dad, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does that mean? Because I knew that Christ was a part of that word, but I just didn't get it. And so the pieces all came together for me. And I think that was, maybe it was 1980. And your parents were Christians by then? Yes. Yeah. For sure, they were totally Christians, and my mom, I don't know if she was teaching precept at that point or not, she was doing maybe um, a Bible study fellowship. Mm-hmm. So, I, we, I mean, we had, I had a Bible, and we were going to church, it was, we were in a, ba- just this Baptist church. Had to Isn't it interesting, to to. though, like, you could grow up in a Christian home, but hearing it from someone else, that's why I'm mm-hmm. so adamant that my kids meet with people outside mm-hmm. of me and Blair, because they can speak truth into my kids that my kids can't hear from me or Blair. Right. 
And so your grandma was the one that took you. And then yep. Mr. Robinson. Just and fell together. Absolutely. And he was so cute. And I remember having a giant <laughs> school girl crush on him. And his wife was there. And I knew that. But I remember coming up to him and telling him that. I don't think I said I have a crush on you, but I just remember like gazing at him and thinking he had oh. hung the moon. I kind of felt the same way about Superman, but <laughs> and I had a lunchbox too. Yes, uh huh. That's really sweet, Jess. <laughs> what would you suggest to the twenty-year-old version of yourself? What would you do differently relationally? So this would be your relational. Do try this at home. I would say. Really open your Bible mm. and um, really fall in love with Jesus and um, really seek Him. Mm. And not just with duty um, or obligation, but really, even if you don't have that desire and you know it's the right thing to do, but you don't have the desire to just start with that simple prayer of, Give me that desire, Lord. Mm. Give me the to want to, you. the want to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what would you say to someone who, like, I didn't grow up in the church, and when I first became a Christian, first of all, I was really hesitant to become a Christian. I thought I couldn't fit in Mm. um, for different reasons, but I was really especially overwhelmed with the Bible and really Mm. intimidated. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who looks at the Bible and says, oh, my Lord, how could I ever... Right. Where do I be? What do I do? How do I... What does this mean? How do I begin? Mm -hmm. What would you say? Well, I would probably say, let's do this together Mm -hmm. Um, and really desire that relation, you know, to seek a relationship with that person. Um, Because I feel like in the context of relationship, that's how God works. And um, especially women. Yeah, absolutely. And it being a a non, it's a a non-pressuring thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as like where to start, I, would, I mean, you can always look in. I mean, I love the the book of John, such a great starting point. Um, and then just in the Psalms, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. Mm. Really, that's just where your when your heart is heavy, when it's when you're feel you need a refuge, or you know, David cries out to God mm-hmm. in such real ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say more more about building a relationship with that person and um, them learning to trust you, and then introducing them. Mm-hmm in that regard um, and that's really kind of what we did with our girls in our 242 group too and dealing with their hard questions and um, you know walking through seasons of habitual sin or you know hard relationships with their parents or it's showing up that's the whole mm. other thing it's just show up that's good because if you don't show up then you break that trust and then it just affects that entire process I think yeah. So showing up maybe is the first step. <laughs> Huge. Mm-hmm. And you dealt with some rebellion, as I did, and all of us did. <laughs> so what some would you significant say, rebellion, I would say, for myself. What would you say drew you back? Like, how did grace extend to you? Um, well, so many different circumstances happened in my life that was somewhat of the catalyst of that. Um, first of all, I had a, a, str- a strong foundation before I rebelled. And so I, I, I knew that. I knew in my heart, even when I was in the midst of my deepest sin, I could hear the voice of God. Really? Totally. And I would just pretty much tell him to shut up, honestly. Wow. Mm-hmm. But I knew he was wooing me back, and mm-hmm. I was just so angry. 
And so, honestly, it was, it was Philip and his, mm. just his unconditional love of me, even when we were dating. And, um, and I just saw this solid guy who grew up in a really strong Christian family who was steady. And when he would hear of my sin and my you know, shortcomings or when I would start sharing my past with him, he was like, oh, okay, I forgive you. That's okay. Oh. I love you. There's enough grace for you pouring mercy all over me. So he was, sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And he just was a picture of Christ. And I thought, wow, this is what Jesus looks like with, with, with flesh on. He was real. Yeah, and honestly, with Philip, when we were first dating in the first at least six to eight months, I really thought he was an angel. Oh. And I really, I really, I remember telling my mom, I don't think he's real. Like, I think he's not real. Like, God sent him to me. He is an angel. He's wow. perfect. I really thought that. I don't think he's perfect anymore. But. <laughs> good, that's good. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's definitely not. But... But yeah, because um, when I, the, the crux of my rebellion was my end of my high school years and my beginning of my college. Mm. And um, my sophomore year in college, I moved to Belmont and that's when I met him. I knew him in, in um, middle school. We went to school together. But mm. I mean, I was walking the path of sin up until the night before I left for college. Mm. And so, and not that I wasn't when I moved to Belmont, but it was such a fresh start and a, almost a, um, oh, what do you call it? When you, you redo yourself when you're, you're, I mean, I, it was like, I was reinventing myself reinventing, yeah. and, um, and I knew that and I knew that I was leaving. It was a, such a line in the sand for me. I'm leaving this old self behind and all those friends and all that partying and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start new. I'm at this Christian college mm-hmm. and I'm going to reinvent myself. Hmm. But in the process of that reinventing, you still have your past, and you still have this pattern of sin that you've been living in. Mm-hmm. You, it's not it's not that cut and dry. You mm-hmm. think it is, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I would say, I'm still re re learning that you know the creating new patterns of righteousness um, from those patterns of yuck that I lived in. Mm-hmm. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't ever stop working. No. He's continuing to regenerate us. Absolutely. And the Lord promises that He will never stop doing that until That's right. it's completed. That's right. Thank God. Mm-hmm. The beauty of sanctification. Yeah. <laughs> Process itself mm-hmm. is beautiful. Yes. That He that He would have so much mercy on us mm-hmm. to even bother. Absolutely. So I I say the same things about Blair so often that he was Jesus with skin on to me, mm-hmm. and a real tangible illustration of God's grace to mm-hmm. me. He still is. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful. Plus, he's so funny. He's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is when Diane, your mom, loves it when Blair plays the accordion. Mm-hmm. She calls it the squeeze box. Mm-hmm. So. She requested not only a salsa this year, but also the squeeze box. Yes. And watching Philip on guitar and Blair on squeeze box, and the two of them, you know, they just give each other certain looks. I know. And just laugh and, uh-huh. you know, go to different places mm-hmm. in the song, and they're cracking up at each other. It was just such a sweet thing mm-hmm. to watch. Yep. And it engages all of us. Mm-hmm. And like you said, disarming is such a perfect word mm-hmm. for your husband. Mm-hmm. I came across a picture um, last night of the two of them. Really? And Isaiah was standing in between them, and he was probably four. Aww. 
and he had his guitar and he was strumming no I mean he wasn't playing anything he was just yeah, strumming just right I remember uh -huh. that yep it was adorable yep I oh. came across that last night did you get the videos that I sent yes isn't that so yes. fun Zay is really going to be a good, great little drummer. Yeah, he's fantastic. Oh my actually. goodness, I was so and impressed. And he's a he's a phenomenal um, singer as well. Really, he is. Yes, yes, he has um, a little solo on our latest Seeds of Christmas album. Oh, and, I, um, gotta I gotta hear that. Yeah, I'll give one. I'll give one to you. I'd love I would to love give it. one. That's so fun. Um, so yeah, he's and he harmonizes with me when we sing and we're, when oh. we worship together. He always likes to stand by me because he harmonizes to me. There's I, nothing like family singing together. Yeah, it's really incredible. It sounds amazing. Do you have a... <laughs> this question always makes me laugh, but <laughs> what would you hope that a close friend might say at your funeral someday? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, oh, your mini wow. eulogy. Um, have you ever thought about that? No. But I am right now. <laughs> um... Well, I guess, like, the spiritual side of me would love for them to say that I was a woman who sought the heart of God, mm. um, that treasured and loved her husband and respected him, and that led her children to the feet of Jesus daily. Oh. That would be my spiritual side. <laughs> my other side would be that I was a ball of laughs, that I was spontaneous, that I was a good friend, and that I showed up with hot food or whatever when I needed to, that I listened well, that I was humble, that um, I laughed loud in movies and, oh, you know, was great. had eyes to see, heard in people and... Um, Those are so good. <laughs> Those are really good. I love the laughing loud in movies. Well, I do that. Oh. I definitely do that, especially next to my mother <laughs> and my friend Mandy, for sure. Um, I can just imagine. Yes. What's the last funny, funny movie you saw? Oh, good grief. Well, I. Oh, what's the ABBA movie? Oh, yeah, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. <laughs> when Mamma Mia came out, I watched that so many times. I watched it with Barb and went to see it with Mandy and saw it with my mother and still to this day. And it, there are so many parts that aren't meant to be funny, but just. It's completely are. depraved, but it is, it's absolutely. really funny. And then I remember. Um, watching it with my older children and thinking this is hysterical and they thought it was so dumb. They did? They didn't. I mean, they loved some of it, but they're like, some of it was like, that's not okay. Oh. You know, and, um, but, true. and I thought, you know, Pierce Brosnan, I mean, he, he needs to be, you know, 007 or somebody. He does not need to ever sing in a movie ever again. They should have said no to that. And so when he starts singing, it just, it oh. makes me just, it makes me laugh. I'm That's really awesome. Hard. And do you have a book that you would say was your favorite of this year? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the Nightingale. Really? Yes. Have you read? Did this? you Instagram that? I did. Yeah, I remember that. Oh my word, that book wrecked me. Really? Absolutely. Is it? Um, it's a novel, right? It is. I, ha I haven't read it. It is so 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 amazing. Really? Maybe my best my favorite book in many, many years. Oh, my goodness. That's a mm -hmm. big statement. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to read that. There's just so many. Th I mean, it's it's set in the, during the Holocaust, um, oh. which is really my, probably my favorite time up to read books in. I love the stories to see God's redemption. Oh. And it's not, it's not a, it's a secular book. But um, to see the heart of this woman for her friend and for her children, mm. It's, a, it's totally a woman book. Mm. And the sacrifices that she makes, and then the full circle that happens at the very end is like, it's the kind where you go, oh, 
And then you weep. Did you see Life is Beautiful? Yes. That's the, that's the reaction yes. I had at the end of yes. Life is Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. my goodness. Mm-hmm. It makes me really mm-hmm. want to read it now. Okay, I will. Absolutely. And then I told, as soon as I was done, I texted ma- my friend Mandy. And so I let her borrow the book. And then, well, I don't know, it was probably two weeks later, she sends me this picture of her face that's Aww. totally swollen with tears. Aww. And it's like, I, you know, this wrecked me. It's so, it's a, you would love it. You oh. totally need to read it. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'll be wrecked. Mm-hmm. But, but it's beautiful. I mean, there's just such, it's redemption. So yeah. sometimes those movies, I mean, those books wreck you and there is no redemption. Right. There oh. totally is no, in this no. book. Okay. And it's beautiful. Unbroken is like that, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very good. It's a very similar book to that in that okay. regard. Awesome. So, Jess, what gives you joy? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel completely from head to toe joyful? There's a lot of things. Um, I think the first thing that brings me joy is most mornings recently. So my husband gets up and does devotions with our kids before they go to school. Nice. Um, and ha- we've been doing that for about five years. And How early is that? Well, 6.20. <laughs> so, yeah. So he gets you know up at 6.20. Moment. Yes, because they have to be at the table at 6.20 or there's, there's trouble to be had in the Moreland home. <laughs> So we made this commitment several years ago, and um, so everybody has to have lunches packed and are ready for, for breakfast at 6.20. That's great. Initially, I would make a hot breakfast. It was a big deal, and it was time for our family around the table, mm. for just our family. Cause typically, my parents are not a part of that. They're still in their room or take, you know drinking coffee in their area or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, really loved this piece of really this blank canvas that my kids are in the morning and just um, mm. saturating their canvas with God's Word and then sending them out to the battle because they are. They're on the battle. It's a battle. Yeah. That's so great. And that you made that the priority over dinner because dinner is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's going in different places and different right. times and people have jobs and their sports. And that was kind of part of it, actually. I thought, it. Well, everybody eats breakfast. We're all here at 6 a.m. Let's do it. So we're doing it. Jess, what do you do for play now as an adult? (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard one. It is a hard one. You know, I think the thing that I do for play is hang out with my friends. And I would say the thing that I would love to do the most is just really be with Philip. Mm. I I, I love to be with him. And anything that we do together is fun and play. So great. Um, You know, we travel a lot with seeds. And so I feel like every time we're on a trip, it's like play. I mean, travel's really not sexy anymore. But once you get, <laughs> once you once you get to where you're going, you're not on the air, airplane anymore. Um, you know, we're trying out new restaurants or looking at attractions or oh, yeah. meeting new people. I mean, ministry is so full of play in in itself because we get to meet people all over the country and relationships. It's so great that you see working with your husband as play. Oh yeah, that is um, that's really rare too. Well, my husband is a jewel. Oh. And so, um, I mean, he's the most um, disarming, fantastic man. I mean, he's, he makes life easy. So Aww. I'm the hard one. He's the easy one. Really? Oh, Are you absolutely. High Super high maintenance. Me you know too. that, Courtney? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, we're, we married up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The Lord was kind to of both yes. of us. Yes, yes. Where we are moving to, um, Philip and I have been building 
relationships with those people over the last five or six years because we've been, um, this church is our home base. And Philip is an ordained minister there and has been for three years. When he... Um, when he left staff at Fellowship and um, went full time with Seeds, Seeds became the Seeds Church became our covering, and nice. so they ordained us or him, not me. So um, it's a Calvary Chapel church. Oh, what does that mean? Um, I don't know. It's <laughs> there's some doctrine behind that. I don't really know what it is. So don't ask me that for real. So. Um, when you walk into the building, it's this giant, it's very much like Fellowship Franklin, cool. this giant, big, open, except it's bigger, has a giant coffee house in there, and um, I love that. It's neat. It's like that a very big community. So community. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so good. So you've already been kind of plugged in there. Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't realize that. That's yes. great. And so there's a whole host of women there that I already know, and I like to call them my pie because they're the people I enjoy. Your pie? My pie. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Well, actually, I went to a women's conference that they invited me to. It was here in Nashville. It's called Leading and Loving It, and it's for women who are in ministry, mm. um, whether they're pastor's wives or they're in you know, any type of ministry. Oh, it. wow. And um, there are these two churches that do it. One's in Las Vegas, and one is here, and it's, um, it's Cross Point. Yeah. And they flip-flop back and forth. And cool. so... The whole women, the staff women at Lighthouse um, went to this conference and invited me to go oh, very last nice. minute. And so I got to hang with them for an entire week. Oh, and it was it amazing. Was a week? It was a Yeah, it was a week. A conference that lasted a week. It was amazing. So is it an every year thing? It is an every year thing. I mean, I would love to look into something. It like was that. fantastic. And it because it's coming it's because it's speaking to women who are in ministry, um, they have the speakers on it are just fantastic because they're mm. they've been there um they're either in full-time ministry now or they've been pastor's wives for a long time and they they can speak to the intricacy of being burned out being oh. hurt being oh. in a bad situation with a staff being in a church that's dying whatever and mm-hmm. you have they have these little video pieces and there's they have sponsorships and it's really it was that's awesome. And we do conferences a lot, but this, for me, it spoke to my heart like no other conference. It fed conference. you. Me. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. we need that. It was great. When you're pouring out, you got to have somebody mm-hmm. pouring in. So tell me about your life, your childhood chum. Okay, so my childhood chum, her name, I would say, I have several, but the first one that comes to mind is my friend Brittany. And mm-hmm. actually, I'm sure my mom talked about her mom because it, her mom is Linda and is one of my mom's dearest friends. Mm. And so um, we grew up in Oklahoma, and she was the first person I ever spent the night at their house. Mm. And um, actually, her mom and dad still live in the same home, and so when we're there, we get to go back and visit, and I'm staying in the same house that I was stayed at as a young girl. That's amazing. amazing. Yes. Really cool. Um, so we went to the same church, and my mom and dad and, their, and her parents are still, again, super close. And um, Wow. And so we, um, Brittany, her name's Brittany, Brittany and I are still friends. We, we keep in contact anytime I'm in town and um, through social media. So, so great. Um, yeah. I love that. It's a very rare thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I know you have a big change coming up, but tell me what is your favorite room in your house now that you live in? 
Oh, it would have to definitely be my kitchen. Mm. Um, I love your kitchen, too. We have that open, big open concept, and of course we own a home with my mom and dad, and so there's nine of us in the house, and the kitchen is the center of all things we do. Everything. We yeah. eat, we play, we laugh, we fight. All of it's right there. I've seen the kids doing homeschool there. Yep. So um, we entertain. <laughs> my mom and I, we have two different paper towel holders on each side of the sink. <laughs> it was so funny to me. <laughs> And it was so purposeful because when we moved in together, we were able to really join all kinds of things together. We, you know, combined our dishes and our cookery and all of that. But we could not resign ourselves to using each other's paper towel <laughs> because I was a Viva girl, have been a Viva girl forever. It's like a wash rag that I can throw away and my mom's bounty all the way. Always has been. And always has been. And so, so our husband's both put um, our own paper towel holders on under you know mounted them underneath the, the cabinets and um and so yeah and so as a thank you gift after you'd been at our house for christmas you brought us wrapped in a bow a bounty and a viva it was awesome but i do have to say that um over the last 11 years of living with them i have come to the bounty camp so funny what changed you over well <laughs> I think yeah, it was really good. Yeah, more expensive. My kids now are doing a lot of the kitchen work, and so good. the excess um, paper towel usage in my house is oh, like over the top, I and I just couldn't afford it anymore. So my I went son to uses bounty. like four yeah. to wipe up a little. Yeah, spill. something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I went to that. He's like, "Mom, that was a four wiper. It was a four <laughs> paper towel wiper." And I was like. I could have done that in half. Exactly. I would have torn off the half sheet right. for that. And my mom doesn't even do the select a size. Oh. She wants the real size. She gets really bummed if I buy the select a size oh, because it, it's too small. Oh, she wants to be able to, she likes the, the very same, whatever, <laughs> eight and a half by 11 paper towel situation every time. Mm -hmm. So cute. Everybody comes in the back door. Nobody comes in the front unless they've never been to my house because then we kind of correct them and say, sorry, you're... <laughs> You need to be a backdoor friend, not a front door. Even I UPS comes it. to the back door. Oh. So we come in the back door, and that's where we do life. We center everything a lot around food anyway. Mm. Um, you know, my kids are now old enough that they love to cook. We plan meals together, and everything mm. centers around our big, long table. Oh, it's a beautiful table. Yes. I've talked about your table on my podcast. And it was made. You guys had it made, right? Right. My mom and dad did. And... The sad thing for me is I'm, I'm leaving that table. Yeah, <laughs> It's staying here. <laughs> That's all good, because that means I get to come and sit around it when I come to visit. Yeah, mm -hmm. hopefully we'll see you again at some Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner there. Absolutely. It's still the hub. Jessica and the rest of her family did actually move shortly after this conversation, except one-seventh of their family remained here to finish school. Maddie, the oldest child, is here, but gets to see the rest of her family often, even though she still lives at the compound with Diane and Dan. And now Josh, who's Jessica's brother, lives there with his sweet wife, Abby, and their kids. So you can see it's all in the family here at the compound. I love Jessica's approach to Bible study, didn't you? This is the best way to study the Word of God with other people. What she says about building trust with the seeker and really pursuing a relationship with them, anyone who, you know, comes and asks you, how do I understand the Bible? You know, what she says about just showing up, it's the best way to instill an understanding and a love for God's Word. 
All I can say is, like mother, like daughter, Diane Belbeck has made those her life mission too, relationships and the Word of God. You know, these women remind me of the story in Acts 8 about the disciple named Philip who was instructed to go toward Gaza on this desert road because there was a very important person who needed some explanation on the Word. The treasurer of Ethiopia was trying to make sense of what he was reading from the book of Isaiah. So Philip obeyed the angel's orders to start running alongside the chariot and asked the official, do you understand what you're reading? And this government official said, no, how can I? I need somebody to explain it to me. I love the humility of this guy, this Ethiopian bigwig. He's not too proud to admit that he has a need. Even though he had just been in Jerusalem, he he was there to worship. But he knew that there was something other than just head knowledge. Philip helped him connect the dots. The one that the Ethiopian official was reading about, the one that took humiliation away from us, it's Jesus. All the signs point to Jesus in the Old Testament and the New. So the official confessed right then that he believed with all his heart, this is the Son of God. This is Jesus Christ. So he asked Philip to baptize him. And then Philip baptizes him, and then he disappears. And the official went away rejoicing, and Philip went on to keep preaching the good news of Jesus wherever the Spirit took him. Well, for a long time, I kept my questions to myself because I was so prideful, unlike the Ethiopian. I just thought, you know, I should know this. I should know this about the Bible. But how could I unless somebody explained it to me? And thank goodness there were women like Diane Belbeck, Jessica's mom, who opened the word and broke bread with me and explained it. There was illumination and revelation from the Spirit of God in that process that helped me to understand. Have you ever wondered, like Jess did, about um, what, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? So if you're asking the same thing, what does it mean to be a Christian? Allow me to read it straight from the source in his own words. This is from John 5. Hang on, I got to find it. Okay. John 5. I'm going to read from 24 down. This is Jesus talking. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He doesn't come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Ooh, the beauty of that, as it says in the Amplified Version, is uh, eternity starts now. It's not just after death, but You know, I would also cite John 10.10, which talks about Jesus came that we would have abundant life, not a life of calamity and um, breakdown, consistent breakdown, but of prosperity and hope. So a life of hope versus a life of hopelessness, basically. We got a lot to live for. So if you find it hard to um, rustle up hope, certain times of the year like I do, especially around the holidays, as I've told you, our hope as Christians, as believers, is not just like this uh, wish. It's grounded in something. It's rooted in something real. I pray that you 
would rest in that, lean into that hope today, wherever you are. Take hope, take courage. As I was telling Jess in the interview, I didn't think I would ever fit in to um, with other Christians, and here's why that is. I thought in order to be a Christian, you had to wear khaki pants and a starched button-down shirt, and I'm talking about the girls, of course. This was back in the days of Annie Hall. Those of you who are over 30 will know what I'm talking about. Female students were dressing like this to class, to crew meetings, and even fraternity parties. It was wild. I thought I could never fit in. And also, I thought you had to carry your Bible in a cloth, zippered cover thingy with flowers on it. But even though I felt like a complete misfit with my beatnik hippie clothes and long, curly, wild hair, it was totally inspired by Madonna. You need to know, we spent a lot of time getting our hair to look messy like Madonna. The messier, the better. Madonna's hair is all straight and smooth now, but back in the day, she, it was wild and curly, and her hair was always just like thrown up on her head. She would tie a torn up piece of pantyhose up there like a scarf. It was so cute. <laughs> we thought we were so cute. Oh, boy. But even though I, I felt like I'll never fit in with these people, I couldn't get enough of the Jesus that they kept talking about. So I kept showing up at Bible study in action group, and I kept devouring everything I was given to read, and I fell in love with the people. God's people were so kind to me. The leaders and staff of crew and the fellow students of the crew meetings, they were so kind and forgiving and patient. They knew what I had done the night before, and most likely what I would be doing after the crew meeting, but they still let me in. They understood that I was far from finished. I was still in process. Jesus had only just begun transforming me. And hey, love, I realize that whenever I talk about my husband the way that Jess and I did today, um, that might be hard for you to hear if that's not your scenario. You may be in a different place than I am, or my guest is today. Not really able to say many nice things about your husband right now, for whatever reason. I always prayerfully consider these things as I'm editing these interviews, but I feel inclined to leave it in because it's the truth. And my hope is that you won't be discouraged by that, but that you'll be encouraged that there is hope for change. Both our husbands, Jess and I, Well, I should speak for myself. I love Jess's husband, Philip, but I never knew him before he knew Jesus. So as far as my husband goes, I can say that Blair has morphed into the man he is today. The transformation, you know, he's still in process. He's not perfect yet, but he's repentant, which is better than perfect. And he forgives me, which is even better still. And here's a new review. You recorded it the first time I made a mistake. Glad my failure makes you feel good. Okay. This review is called Mosaic by Keto NH. Yay, Keto! Highly recommend this podcast. Great insights about following God and using your talents. I listened to it and found it a great mix of encouraging and practical. Thanks, hey love. Thank you, Keto NH. I want to give a big shout out to all the people in New Hampshire. Woot, woot. Stepping up with the reviews. I know. Keep them coming. They're awesome. Peace out. I got to say to my girls up in New Hampshire, I got to give you props. You guys have been representing big time. Thank you, Keto. 
And thank you, Blair. It's the last one on there. So if you're thinking about writing a review, better do it. I love reading these on the air. Well, love, thank you for joining me today. I want to challenge you to think about what kind of legacy you're leaving. Is it one of eternal impact? Just a little something for you to be thinking about. Till next time. Bye, love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. I'm well. I mean, I'm daughter of the king, worship leader for Steed's Family Worship. I'm daughter of Dan and Diane, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sister of Josh. I don't know. Wife of Philip. Mom. My main calling. <laughs> Some pastor just stuck his head in here. <laughs>